16. The parable of the laborers there on your handout. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said unto them, Go ye also into my vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again he went about the sixth and the ninth hour, and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle, and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil, because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. Thank you, Jonathan, for leading the music today. Those songs are always uplifting for our soul, because they do contain so much theology, and it is always a blessing. As Jonathan read today, our message is going to be the parable of the labors. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to speak on this parable today. Please guide my tongue. This is a very deep topic that the message is for your glory, for your kingdom, and for your honor. Jesus, that you would bless your word in our midst. We love you, God. Amen. This is kind of a long passage. The handout is kind of detailed, and we're probably not going to be able to cover it all, or we might be here until 7 this evening. But I do want to cover some main points. This was a topic, as I studied it, I started on it last Sunday evening, and I spent a little bit of time every day. And the more time I spent, I felt like I was moving backwards and sliding down the hill, because it contains so much more of doctrine for me to get my arms around. Hopefully, I can share some of that with you today and let the Lord bless his word in each one of your minds and hearts. And perhaps you can go back and study this on your own this week. As I glean these verses, some of the points are the householder is God the Father. The steward is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The reason for that is the Father draws the soul to the Son, and Jesus is the creator and he's the judge. So he would be the one who would be the steward handing out the rewards. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a vineyard. That's plain from the text. The kingdom of heaven refers to the reign of God in the lives of men. Now, not everybody wants God to reign in their life. There are many people living in rebellion. Of course, we can think of an atheist. That would be a model of somebody in rebellion. But there are many people that hide their rebellion in their life, and yet they're not serving Christ. God the Father chooses who will be laborers in the vineyard, and not all laborers are saved Christians. So there are many people working in the kingdom who are not members of the kingdom. 
some examples might be preachers who are in the business for the money. But let's not pick on just pastors. There are many people in every walk of life who say they are Christians who really are deceiving themselves. So this parable is primarily about salvation. It's not addressing the issue of eternal rewards. So we'll try to look at three points briefly today. The first point is the householder hires laborers to work in his vineyard. And then the second point today, the householder pays the laborers. And then the third point today would be the householder rebukes the discontented laborers. So let's look at that first verse that Jonathan had read. This is the first point. The householder hires the laborers to work in his vineyard. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. The Jewish day started at 6 in the morning, and the typical day was 12 hours. So it went from sunrise at 6 in the morning until sunset at 6 p.m. And here we see the householder, represented by the father in the spirit world, he goes out early in the morning before sun comes up to hire his laborers. Now, these are hirelings. Look at John 10, 12 in your handout. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. In the spirit world, a hireling is not saved. He is not aligned and truly honoring the Lord in everything that he does. And when the wolf, representing Satan and evil, comes, he runs and he leaves the true Christians to be exposed to the evil. John 10, 13 further says, The hireling flees because he is a hireling and cares not for the sheep. So some of the workers that the Father brings and allows to work in the kingdom, who he actually hires to be in the field, are not necessarily Christians. Now, how do we know that the Father is the one who draws people to Jesus? John 6, says, No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. This is a truly saved Christian who will be raised up at the last day. Jesus further says in the same gospel of John chapter 6, verse 65, saying, Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given of him of my Father. So we see the Trinity at work. The Father is drawing the lost soul to Jesus. Jesus, of course, is the Lamb of God. He went to the cross to pay the sin penalty. And in John chapter 3, we see where the Holy Spirit is the one who quickens us when we're born again. So the Trinity is always at work in any true salvation. Matthew 20, verse 2. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Here we see the landowner, the vineyard owner, he's negotiating. It says when he had agreed with the laborers. These people are not under grace. They're under contract, under law. 
they are working for a set amount of money to do their 12 hours of duty in the vineyard. And it also says they work for a penny a day. In today's society, a penny doesn't even buy you a gumball like it did when I was a little kid. What it represents, if you look at the handout, one denarius. And one denarius was equivalent to the pay of a soldier for one day's work. It's over 20 years ago, probably close to 25 years ago, when I was living in Northern Virginia, there were people that would congregate at one gas station. They were daily laborers, and a lot of construction guys would use them, but there was one particular day where I had to move a lot of furniture from a house that I had sold into a new home. And I went to that place, and I hired one guy for the day. And as I remember, I gave him $100 for helping me from... I don't know, maybe 9, 9.30 in the morning till around 5 in the afternoon. That would be the equivalent today of approximately $200. And if you look at $200 for 12 hours of hard work under the sun, that's really not a lot of money. You're not going to get rich off that. But that was the daily wage rate 2,000 years ago, and it really translates even into our society today. It's also interesting that this denarius in the Revelation, during the tribulation period, when there's wars and famines, it will buy you one quart of wheat. You can't get a lot of loaves of bread from a quart of wheat. And that will be equivalent to a day's wage during the tribulation period. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. This is talking about Jesus according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good measure of his will. So what this verse is teaching us is that God has an elect who go to heaven, and they are predestinated to be in the kingdom before he even made heaven and earth. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any should boast. As we look at the laborers in the vineyard, there's going to be two groups. There's going to be the laborers who in the spirit world are saved, and there's going to be laborers who in the spirit world are not saved. The saved are predestinated to go to heaven. The unsaved are not in the elect. The Father is drawing the saved to his Son. Matthew 20, verse 3. And he went out the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. If you look at the Jewish day, if it starts at 6 in the morning, the third hour is 9 in the morning. And as we're going to study in this parable, 6 hours noon, the ninth hour is 3 in the afternoon, and then the 11th hour would be 5 in the afternoon. Then the day ends for the workers at 6. It's a 12-hour day. 1 Corinthians 3.8 Now he that planted and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. What we want to point out here is that the landowner went out to get some more workers for the field. These workers, as we're going to see, are under grace. They're not negotiating a wage for their work. 
1 Corinthians points out that some of us plant and some of us water. And every man receives his own reward according to his labor. But let's remember, this parable is primarily about salvation. So we have to understand that there's a distinction. Once you're saved, the Bema Seat will determine the level of your reward. If you're not saved, you will go to the great white throne, which determines your level of punishment in the lake of fire. Hebrews 6.12 That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. God doesn't want us to be lazy in his kingdom. If we're saved, if we're part of the elect, God wants us to work and endeavor to expend our energies for his kingdom. And he says we be followers of those who have gone before us, who have patiently gone through life and served the Lord. And we can go to Hebrews chapter 11, which deals with all of the saints, primarily of the Old Testament, and how they serve the Lord. Now when we look at this parable, there's a couple of timelines that we should put in the back of our mind. One of them is the creation of the world from Adam and Eve up until 2018. And remember, Abel was murdered by Cain, and yet God says Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. He's in the kingdom. What about Noah? Noah moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness through his faith. Now, how do we come into the kingdom? The same way, through faith. And if we look at the first hour, six in the morning, the third hour, nine, the sixth hour, and so on, all the way to the end of the day, some of us are saved early in our life. Some of us are adults. Some of us are well into our later years. And some have deathbed confessions. So some of us are saved in the first hour and some might be saved in the 11th hour. God's good all the time. Matthew 20, verse 4. And the landowner said unto them, Go you also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. So do you see the landowner isn't negotiating in amount. He's not saying you're going to get a penny, a denarius. He said, I'll give you whatever is right. And it's also interesting. These people accepted his word for it. This man must have had a good testimony in the local community. They trusted him to give them the right amount. John 4.36 And he that reap receives wages and gathers fruit unto eternal life that both he that sows and he that reaps may rejoice together. If we're reaping souls for the kingdom, and remember the Lord said the fields are white unto harvest, you will receive wages. And these wages are eternal rewards. Again, make this distinction. This parable is primarily dealing with salvation. But the Lord is good. And he's never going to cheat you out your service. You will always receive wages in the kingdom for your service to the Lord. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. 
there are many people that they give the word out of their lips that they're serving the Lord, but where the rubber meets the road, they don't serve. They faint in their duty. They back off. They're like not resolved. They're not diligent about their service with the Lord. Matthew 20, verse 5. Again, he went out the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. So again, he goes to that marketplace in downtown and he sees more laborers. And he says, come on, work in my field. And he doesn't negotiate with them. And they agree to go with him. Joshua 18.3 And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are you slack to go in to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? This speaks to everybody who God is calling into the kingdom. Joshua, like the picture of Israel, he's saying, How long are you going to go and not go into the kingdom? How long are you going to be slack before you claim the promises God has given you? In the spirit world, there are many people God is calling to be Christians, but they're pushing back. They're slack before the Lord. Ecclesiastes 9.10, this is an admonition and a warning. Whatsoever the hand finds to do, do it with all thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where you're going to go. It's appointed on man once to die. We're all going into the grave. Now, while the sunlight is out, while it is day, now is the time to serve the Lord. Because once we're in the grave, we cannot serve the Lord anymore. Matthew chapter 20, verse 6. And about the 11th hour, it's near the end of the day. The sun is kind of starting to set already. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle, and saith unto them, Why stand you here all the day idle? These people who Jesus is calling into the kingdom to work for him, they're idle. They have been idle their whole day. And now their life is at the eleventh hour. They only have one more hour to go. And look at Proverbs 27 verse 1. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. There was a terrible shooting in Texas on Friday. There were ten people who were murdered. And as I understand, the murderer was one of the students, and he did it early in the morning, when the classes were just starting. Now, do you think that those ten people that were murdered that day, when they were having breakfast, say 6.30 or 7 in the morning, that they thought in two hours they would meet the Lord? I don't think any of them thought that. Now, they're either with the Lord in heaven, to be absent from the body for a Christian is to be present with the Lord, or they're in hell. One of the two. People that push God off and push God off and push God off when they're 20, 30, 50, and 70, their time is getting short get right with the Lord. John 9.4 I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. What the Old Testament teaches us in Ecclesiastes, here the book of John chapter 9, Jesus is saying the same thing. I must work the works of him that sent me, that's the Father, while it is day. 
Even Jesus is teaching this simple truth. The fields are white unto harvest. We need to be about the work of the Lord. Matthew 20, verse 7. They say unto him, because no man has hired us. These are the people answering Jesus at the eleventh hour. Because no man has hired us. He saith unto them, go you also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall you receive. You see how Jesus is consistent with his grace? He will never shortchange us. Whatever is right, we will receive at the judgment. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 28-29 And base things of the world, and things which are despised, has God chosen. Praise God that he uses the lost, filthy sinner. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. When I was in Nepal last month, the pastors there, they live in a society where they have a caste system. So the Brahmins are at the top, and then the street people, the people who are really the servants, they're at the bottom layer, the bottom level. And do you know most of the people that are coming to the Lord in Nepal are at the base level? And once they're a Christian, and a Brahmin's a Christian, they don't distinguish. There's no respect of persons in that society anymore. Just as God teaches us to love all the family, that happens there. But those people are looked down upon in that society. Here God says the base things of the world, the things that are despised, that's who he uses for his kingdom. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. But of him are you in Christ Jesus who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Once we're saved, Christ is teaching us and he's leading us into the kingdom through his wisdom and his righteousness, his sanctification and his redemption for us. So we're looking at the second point today. The householder pays the laborers. Now it's time for all of these people who have worked in his field, it's payday. It's the end of the day. It's probably 6.30 in the evening. The workers are coming off the field. And if you look at the picture, this is kind of a cool drawing on the back of the handout from the lesson today at church. You can see the steward in the spiritual kingdom, that's Jesus, and he's got the rewards. He's got the money bag. And he's handing out the payday. It's payday. And remember Bob Jones? He had a very famous saying, payday is coming. Payday is coming. Hopefully all of us will have a good payday in the kingdom of God. Matthew 20, verse 8. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto the steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. Isn't it interesting that in this parable, God is paying the ones who only work one hour before he pays the ones that work three hours, six hours, nine hours, and then, of course, the full 12-hour day. Matthew 19, 27. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? If you go back to chapter 19 of Matthew, it's setting up this parable of the laborers because it leads into it. There was a rich man who came to Jesus, and God says, You've got to forsake your money or you can't come into the kingdom. And that rich man left Jesus sad because he couldn't give up his money. And then Peter says in this verse, Behold, we have forsaken all. 
He's looking at that rich guy who wouldn't give up his money, and he's saying, God, we gave up everything. What are we going to get? And then Jesus says, there's going to be 12 tribes, 12 thrones in heaven, and you're going to judge each one of the tribes. And then he goes on to say, in verse 29 and 30 from Matthew 19, and everyone that has forsaken houses, this is speaking to us as Christians, everyone that has forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands, that's about everything. And remember, it's not like you have to move out of your house if you're a teenager. What God is saying is here, if this is an idol in your life, you need to forsake it. Just like that rich man's money was idle, he had to forsake it in order to be saved and come into the kingdom. If you have children as your idol, you need to forsake it. Not to disown them, but to put God first. If it's money or your job or your career or your, maybe you're an athlete, you have to put that under God. So he's saying forsake houses, brothers, sisters, father or mother, or wife or children or lands for my name's sake. That's the core issue. Shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. If you put God first and get rid of the idols, you will inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last. And the last shall be first. In God's economy, the people that serve, they go to the front of the line. And the ones that want to be served, they go to the end of the line. Matthew 20, verse 9. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. They got the full denarius. They got the full day's labor for one hour of work. Now, can you imagine the people that worked for 12 hours? They're thinking, wow, they got a full day's work for one hour. We worked 12 hours. We're going to get 12 days work. We can take a two-week vacation. You can see their mind working, right? But it doesn't work like that with God. Let's look at the point there. If those hired first had been paid first, they would have happily departed, and the parable's main teaching would have been overlooked, which is discontentment with God's grace. So we could rename this lesson Grumbling About Grace. Because really, that's what they're doing. God is giving his grace, and they're grumbling about it. They're murmuring about it. 1 Timothy 1.16 Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Sometimes God blesses the people that we see in our life as a pattern for us to pray for them, to be satisfied. Even if they win the lotto and have a brand new house or whatever, we should say, thank you, God, for blessing them. We should never get in a position where we have jealousy for somebody. And God, in this parable, he has the one who only worked one hour get paid first. Let's say the people that worked 12 hours were paid first, they would have left, and they would have never seen God working in the life of the person who only worked one hour. Matthew chapter 20, verse 10. And when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. So they didn't receive 12 denarius. They got one denarius, one penny, just like the people who had only worked for one hour. 
Now, Acts 17.31, it teaches us, because he has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained, that's Jesus, whereof he has given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. This verse is teaching us, just as sure as Jesus has been raised from the dead, there will be a judgment day. The person who is ordained to be the judge is Christ who raised from the dead. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he will exalt you in due time. But see, when we see somebody blessed, and if we're going through that valley of that shadow of death, when we are so encompassed by the pressures of life, and then we look at other people, and we say, why is God blessing them? And it seems like he's withholding the blessing from me. God says, humble yourselves under his mighty hand. Do you believe that God is good all the time? Yes, amen. He is good all the time. So even though we don't see the goodness in that situation we might be in, we need to cling to that truth. Jesus is good all the time. And many times when we're in that valley, and then we live through that, and we get back up on the mountain, we look back, and we see so many blessings that God has given us. And we're stronger Christians because of it. Our faith has grown stronger because of it. Matthew 20, verse 11. And when they had received it, they murmured against the goodman of the house. So here we have these people, they only received one denarius, and now they're murmuring, they're grumbling, because God had grace and gave those people who only served one hour the same salvation that they are getting. These laborers' eyes, if you look at the note there, they were full of jealousy, envy, and discontent. Not because an injustice had been done to them. No, they got everything they had agreed to. They got everything that was contracted. But rather they were discontent and jealous because of the good that was done to someone else. We should never be jealous when somebody else receives something good from God. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. This is going back to they were working their way and they said we worked for 12 hours and we deserve more. They're relying upon their works. And that's not the way grace works. Galatians chapter 2.16 Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Putting this in layman's terms, the only way we're going to get into heaven is through faith. There's nothing we can do in our own power, which we would call works for God, that will earn us one second in glory. It has to be through faith. Matthew chapter 20, verse 12, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us which have borne the burden and heat of the day. What they were saying was true. They did bear for 12 hours the burden and the heat of the day. And if any of you have ever worked in a field, 
when the sun is beating down on you in a hot summer, maybe baling hay, you know how hard it is to work on a farm. Here he says, they've only worked one hour and you made them equal. But see, we're not talking about rewards here. We're talking about salvation. And indeed, they are equal because they're saved in the kingdom just like the people who work 12 hours in the kingdom. And what a blessing at the judgment day for the people who are saved when they're children, who consistently serve the Lord 10, 20, 30, 50, or like Miss Alice serving the Lord for 80 plus years. What rewards they will have. But the important thing is to determine that you're saved. Because you can't have any Bema Seat rewards until you're saved. That's the first important step. Luke 23, 42, and 43. Remember there were two thieves, one on the right one on the left. And we don't know which one was saved. But one of them repented of his sins. And he looked at Jesus on the cross, probably like this. And he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus looks at him and said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Now how long... Did this thief on the cross serve the Lord? Five minutes? Ten minutes? Maybe he died when the sun went down because remember they broke the knees. It was Passover. He couldn't have lived but a couple of hours. Maybe from three to six? And yet I sincerely believe this thief will have so many rewards. How many people have been blessed? Remember last week when we went over the verse that whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. By him getting saved, he loosed all of God's blessings in heaven to be poured out. I remember when I was first reading the Bible, and I would get to these verses about this thief on the cross who got, I used to tear up. It was moving. God's grace, this man who was literally casting aspersions, he was right there with the other thief. Mocking Jesus. And Jesus saves him. What grace that God has. And for 2,000 years, people have been reading this story. I believe this thief is going to have so many rewards. And it's because of God's grace. Because God is good. Acts chapter 15 verse 9. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Salvation is by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. And there's no difference. If you serve the Lord for 50 years, you get into heaven by grace. If you serve the Lord for five minutes or three hours, you get into heaven by grace. The third point today, the householder rebukes the discontented laborers. You know, sometimes God has to rebuke us. Sometimes God has to correct us, chastise us, kind of put us in our place when we get too big for our bridges. Matthew chapter 20, 13. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou agree with me for a penny? He's saying, I didn't do any injustice to you. We agreed at the beginning of the day for one penny, one denarius, one day's labor, and I gave you everything we contracted for. The point here is never be jealous of God's grace because God is sovereign over whom he saves and whom he rewards. God is good all the time. Matthew chapter 22, verse 12. And he saith unto them, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. 
So these laborers, the ones that are for hire, in the spirit world, they're not saved. And what they're doing in the physical world is they want more money. They're saying it's not fair. And Jesus says from this parable of the wedding feast, in the spirit world, those people trying to get into heaven don't have the right garment of faith. And they cannot enter into the wedding feast, the marriage feast of the Lamb. Only the Christians are going to be allowed in. And here, this man is speechless. In the spirit world, God is saying this man was speechless. He couldn't come in. And here, in the physical world, I'm sure that that man was speechless. When God says, did I not give you everything that we contracted for? You got your day's worth of wages. He had to be speechless. He couldn't say anything more. He was given everything he had agreed to. Matthew 20, verse 14. Take that as thine and go thy way. I will give unto this last even as unto thee. These are kind of scary words to hear in the spirit world. Because God is saying, take what is yours and go your way. If you're not truly saved, what do you have? And where is your way? Your way is going to end up in hell and then the lake of fire. And God's going to say, take what is yours. All of that sin burden that you've accumulated for your whole life. But the flip side of the coin is God is gracious. And once we're saved, all of that sin burden is released off of us. And all of the sin is covered with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Ezekiel, chapter 18, verse 25. Yet ye say, the way of the Lord is not equal. Hear not, O house of Israel, is not my way equal? Are not your ways unequal? We should never question God's righteousness or his goodness. Because when we do that, we're saying he's not righteous. He's not equal. He's not being fair. Ezekiel is saying to the nation of Israel, because they were saying that exact same thing about Jehovah. He's saying God's ways are equal. His ways are just. Your ways are unequal. Your ways are unjust. 2 Corinthians 5.10 for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We all will appear before God. And everything we've done from when we were a little baby until we take our final breath, we will have to give an account. We have to give an account for every idle word we speak thereof in the day of judgment. We should be careful about what we say, what we think, what we look at, the countenance on our face, our attitudes, the words we speak, because we need to have God's grace in all that we do. Matthew chapter 20, verse 15. This is the landowner speaking again. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So God is asking him, are you saying I'm evil when I'm doing good? Isn't that what's happening in the world today? There are so many people that call good evil and evil good. Why is homosexual marriage good when in God's eyes it's evil? Why is abortion a good thing when God says it's murder? Because 
The Bible says, woe unto them that call good evil and evil good. And that's where our society is in too many ways today in America. 1 Kings 8.32 Then hear thou in heaven, and do, and judge thy servants, condemning the wicked to bring his way upon his head, and justifying the righteous to give him according to his righteousness. This verse is teaching us that God will give to the wicked person upon his head the deeds that he's done in his body. But the righteous, we're justified through the blood of Jesus. And God will give us Christians according to the righteousness that he's given us and allowed us to serve in his kingdom. Romans chapter 9 verse 15. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. See, Jesus decides who's in the elect. Jesus decides who is predestined into heaven. God will have mercy on whom he will have mercy, and compassion on whom he will have compassion. Matthew chapter 20, verse 16. So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. The fields are white unto harvest, and God is calling many, many laborers, but only a few listen to and accept God's call to work for his kingdom. Matthew 19, chapter 24. After the rich man had gone away from the Lord in sadness because he didn't want to give up his wealth. But it's also a blessing, this verse, to us as we witness to people. Matthew 19, 24. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. In the physical world, can a camel go through the little eye of a needle? There's no way. But God is not talking about the physical world. He has shifted the conversation's focal point from the physical camel and a needle into the spirit world. And he's saying, with God, anything is possible. That person who you don't think can be redeemed, that person indeed can be saved. Because with God, anything is possible. The next verse, Matthew 19, 26, and this is the last verse for today. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. I think I shared with you some time past, but it's a story that bears repeating. Twenty-some years ago, I went on a mission trip to Uganda. Uganda used to have a dictator named Idi Amin. Idi Amin literally murdered several hundred thousand Ugandans. He was a vicious, evil dictator. And what he would do is take them to the city center of Kampala, the capital. And we actually went to that park. There's kind of a little mini Washington monument there. And he would round up, sometimes daily, sometimes several times a week or a month, anywhere from one to 50 people. And he would put them in front of that monument and he would have this one guy, his executioner, kill those people. He was vicious and he was evil. Now when we were working with the missionary, a guy named Kyle Guyman, we were up in Sorodi Rock about four hours north of Kampala. And one day at dinner, 
Pilate was telling the story about this man who was the executioner for Idi Amin. And he said he got saved. And indeed, he became a preacher. And I said, Kyle, how do you know for sure he was saved? He said, Jim, if you heard him preach, if you seen the change in his life, you knew he was a child of God. Now, he died of AIDS because back then, AIDS was rampant in Uganda. And that generation from the late teens until like 40 was totally wiped out. So he's in glory today. Now, if God can take somebody who is literally executed, killed, murdered thousands of people and can bring them into the kingdom. Do you see how he can take, when we can't make a camel go through the eye of a needle, in the spirit world, make that camel go through the eye of the needle? With God, all things are possible. So if you're praying for somebody in your family who's lost, don't give up. If they're in sin, don't give up. Don't forsake the prayer. Because God can do anything. With God, all things are possible. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this passage of Scripture. It's very deep. What we looked at today was just literally scratching the surface. And Lord, each one of these verses we could drill down and spend hours, literally hours, digging into it. And Lord, that you would bless your word today as it was spoken, as it was received through the Holy Spirit in the minds and the hearts of the listeners. And Lord, as we go out this week, we know with you all things are possible, that we will pray lost souls into the kingdom, that your Holy Spirit will work in their lives for your glory and for your honor. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, God. Amen.